You're listening to Make It, a podcast by Bonsai Creative that helps creatives in film get where they're going faster by sharing the advice, knowledge, and insights of professional creatives across the film industry. I'm your host, Chris Barkley, and with me today is my good friend and Make It podcast co-host, Nicholas Bugs. Chris here with another episode of the Make It Podcast, and this is an Indie Talk Week, and that means I have my good friend and co-founder with me, Nicholas Bugs. Nick, say hello. Hello, hello. My man, it feels like it's been forever, dude. It's like it's been a long time since an Indie Talk. We should probably start doing these like every other day. Maybe we can start (laughs) putting these out every day. Maybe we'll do it like on Clubhouse or on Call-In or on one of those apps our friends can then join in real time. Maybe we should even just go like Instagram live and just start and just doing Instagram lives and just hop, whatever's hop on. going on. And at the beginning, maybe three people will jump on cause we never do it, but then eventually we can make like a habit of it and then it'll become a thing. And, and then we'll get all of our ideas out. Cause right now as it stands a hundred thousand things, it feels like are, are going on. Uh, in the world of film and an indie film. Uh, today, we're going to talk about the the IATSE strike I, that feels imminent. I guess we should touch on that a little bit and give you some some counter uh, some counterfactual to it or something. What is that the right term? I don't know. Yeah, it's it's just, ca- counter yeah. argument to it. And then with festivals abounding all around us, uh, personally, I think top of mind for us right now, and I, I'd love to start here, is just festivals, their handling of COVID. Um, but more specifically, what that's turned into is uh, festivals doing sort of uh, most of their screenings online and having yeah. some some hand-picked screenings in person uh, at theaters, different venues, whatever, whatever their venue is for the festival. But for a great deal of consumers, they uh, and a great deal of their screenings, those consumers will watch it on their computer or tablet and those films will screen online. And one of the things you'll discover is that even though it's virtual, it's kind of not all the way like the internet. Like we're used to the internet being a place where you can sort of go to any website, no matter what the origin of that website, China excluded, uh, for the, well, yeah, I mean, look, China, China, China is squeezing their, their population quite a bit. Their citizenry is ready to explode right now. They can't play video games. They can't trade with cryptocurrency anymore. They can't have more than one kid. Uh, Their lives are completely controlled from beginning to end. And in America, we have a, a variety of cowards, including in the movie industry, that, that can't even say their name or won't refuse to. Like John Cena making that apology in Chinese. Embarrassing. <laughs> Embarrassing. It tells me who power is. And, and, and yeah, and the fact that the studio made John Cena the bag holder for that. Oh, embarrassing. Power and I like John Cena. I like John. Yeah. I'm not a John Cena shit talker. I, I love every, like, I think he has that rock type 
He does. Persona. He's trying, and, to, and, he's trying and, to build it. And, and energy about him. But that's embarrassing. It was embarrassing when the NBA went through what they, what they went through. It was, it was ridiculous. And the idea that they were going to fire Daryl Morey if he didn't, like, like the fact that that even came up, someone in media, someone in PR decided they would bring that to the surface so we would start talking about it. And it's just, it just is, is ridiculous. Um, one thing I, I talked to uh, one of our interviewees about recently is like playing a fun game on Twitter where you make a comment and, and put hashtag China or hashtag Taiwan or hashtag Hong Kong or hashtag Uyghurs. And within two hours, you will be bombarded by Chinese bots uh, talking crazy to you, whatever, and just trying to make you think you're in arguments with real people. And I think... You know, us Twitter veterans know better. Like, mm, yeah, you know, just hey, yeah, don't 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 play this game at home. Yeah, <laughs> like that because these because these bots are so sophisticated. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and come, anyone who's been on a you. social site long enough has like been approached by a bot or hit on by a bot, and it gets really creepy. And uh, even on these dating sites, like if you go to like uh, like Bumble or like Tinder or Grinder or um, what's the other big one? Okay, Cupid or any of these. What they will do is they will first send you a variety of bots that look like beautiful, like beautiful women, beautiful women. And they'll be flirting with you and messaging you all the time. And then once your credit card information is in there, then uh, they'll, they'll ghost you. And then the real profile show up. (laughs) (laughs) And then then when you realize that you are not interested in any of the people with real profiles, then they'll send you the bots again. Right. And they'll just keep you on the hook with it. It's like, it's a wonderful little honeypot they have going on. So we're just in a new age where like, I think if you're not aware of this stuff, uh, you're, you're, you're like bound to be, to be played. But anyway, Back to to film festivals and virtual screenings. We just went on a make it uh, indie talk yeah, tangent. Tangent from that um, to the honey bots, you know. Like, yeah, honey pots. <laughs> the honey bots. Trading honey bots. Uh, <laughs> That's right. The films that roll out, they can only be screened regionally, many of them. So regionally as it pertains to the exact where that film festival is. Where that film festival is located. So if you're in L.A., maybe only... LA area, maybe Arizona, Vegas, et cetera. Yep. Nevada, places around there. Uh, if you're here where we are in, in, well, you're in DC. So that would be like a region and, you know, Nashville would be a region and this, this goes on. And, and the reason that is, is because the distributor sort of has control over who, how far the film goes and who sees it. And, and the reason why is they're playing ball with that festival and the festivals they're planning to go to. So there's like a yep. whole marketing plan. We're going to hit this festival, this festival, this festival. They're all elite festivals. And then from there we'll hit theaters. And the one thing, the little dirty detail, a little forbidden knowledge in there, Nick, is that, wait a second, as indies, we go to festivals to get distribution. That's right. And we're competing against films that are pretending not to have distribution. Yeah. But definitely do. 
Right. And I think that's the part, like you said, pretending, right. It's like, uh, it's non-disclosure, right? <laughs> it's like, it's like, I'm not lying. You know what I'm saying? I just right. didn't tell you that's right. all, yeah. but that's the game, right? Because it also is to the benefit of the film festival, right? Like the film festival wants these bigger films, right. To, to show at their film festival and to be the film festival that said, yeah, we gave them the jury award. Right. We gave them that award. Like that's where it premiered was at our festival when it's like, yeah, they already had distribution. They're already backed by some studio. Like that's the game of it. Right. And it's like for us, like that's why we talk about stuff like this is because we're all about the independent filmmaker. Like where do you sit in all this? Right. If you're going there, you're trying to win that award. It's like, sorry, that (laughs) award already got sold. Like that's, that's out. Like, you're not going to get it because, you know, like you told, like you said before, it's like, that's, can you imagine, you know, that, that film festival doesn't give that studio distributed film, the award, they might not get those films again. Yeah. Right. They might not have come back. That like, studio may never come like, back. You, the distributor may never come back. Right. Exactly. Like you just get, wait, 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 wait. So wait, wait. So you're telling me that we had this production company, blah, blah, blah. Right. Develop this thing. Distributor X, who's us, we distributed this thing and you gave it to some indie filmmaker, you know, around the corner. That blew you away. Exactly. That blew you away that probably their film is better than ours, but they're not inside. Like they're not, they're not inside the Golden Gates yet. Right. They're on the outside. You can't do that. Like you might give them the audience award. Yeah. You know, you might give them a best this award, but no, 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 no those top awards, you make sure you give them to us. So it's a, it's a crazy thing. It's like, just opening the eyes of the filmmaker to like, if you don't get that jury award, like don't, no stress. Like don't be worried about that. Right. If you got best actor, you got best cinematography, you got best music, be happy with that. Like that's a big deal because you were never in the running in the first place. Like just like be okay with that. Yeah. I get this imagery in my head of, of, the festival program director and executive director falling at the knees of Warner brothers and begging for forgiveness after they gave right. away the prize to some indie filmmaker that blew them away. It will never happen again, master. It, it was like, it's like one of Skeletor's minions <laughs> trying to get back into the cave and it's right. like, for Skeletor again. It's like, yeah, it's, I didn't know. I didn't know that, that those were the rules of the game. Right. I didn't know it will never happen again. Never. I promise it'll never happen. Exactly. I wonder, if, I wonder if that is a model set up by what's the name of the organization, the International Association of, of Film Festivals. What, what, what is oh, it it's called? The, it's the Film Festival Alliance. Actually. The Film Festival Alliance yeah. International, right? No, just Film Festival Alliance. That's it. But it is. But it's an international alliance, correct? Yeah, I think they're primarily um, in North America because I think they have, you know, it's basically forty-nine states, DC. Canada, I think that's it. I, I'm, I'm trying to remember if they have anything in the UK. I don't think so. I think it's mainly a primarily a North American organization. Yeah, I wonder if if they say, look, here's a model. Here's a profit model. Here's here's the way to leverage it. Here's the way to sort of have a, have seesaw leverage back and forth with the filmmakers and keep yourself relevant. Like I. I don't think we're poo-pooing on the idea that that these guys have a business and that it's a big business and that 
to, to run it at a bigger scale, you need the credibility of, of great films, studio films, currently mm-hmm. distributed films uh, that th- those drive attendance and, and th- that drives money to the festival, not just from the film community, because the film community alone isn't going to be enough to make it profitable. You have to get people who are sort of film enthusiasts, people who maybe just watch a few films a year, but, but enjoy a different type of experience around film. And then you bring those people in and, and it, it can become a, a spectacle at that point And you have a, a nice, a nice business, but it's just this idea that I don't think everything's on the table and yeah, any sure. filmmaker just doesn't know. Now, some of these festivals, if, if not most of them, they have a separate award for feature films that are made within that city yep. or state. So th- we've won two of those and, yep. or I should say our films have, and it's great. Like that's a wonderful accomplishment to your point. Like, okay, we're not worried about beating the studio film here. Let's just be the best film that came out of this state, according mm-hmm. to the judges and jurors, you know, in the festival for, for this year. But you go into that and you're hustling for distribution and not realizing that there's a whole other game that's sort of happening at a level above you that is the true reason for the season. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they have to, like you said, that it's a business, you know, you know, it's um, most of these film festivals and, and let's just kind of pull it back. So we say it's a business, but a lot of these film festivals are actually nonprofit organizations. Mm-hmm. Right. So they actually, so they have to, you know, at least make their money back. Mm-hmm. Right. So even if they're not necessarily, again, they're not profiting from it, but they have to operate. Right. Yeah. Um, the average budget, for one of these uh, film festivals that's a part of the film festival associate alliance, excuse me, is um, just under Mm $300,000. Right. So that's not a small amount by any means, right? The average, if the average is 300,000, but if they're going to budget 300,000, one would expect that they wouldn't want to make that back. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Like if you're coming in under that amount, you're, you're hurting yourself. Right. So they have to make it back. So yeah, you got to bring in the big timers. You got to continue to bring them in. And which, what does that mean? You have to entice them. Right. 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 What entices them? Just being there? No, they don't have to be there. Yeah. There's no (laughs) reason to be in the war if you think you're going to lose. Right. If you're, if you're a studio film doing a festival run um, under the guise of being an indie or, or a conscious film, if you will, like why, why even enter if, if you think you have a chance of being beat at that particular festival that like, it's just right. done in advance. And there's one like, thing to be beaten by your peers. Yeah. Right. So that's what you want. If a bunch of you come, the studio distributed films, that's called the Oscars. That's fine. <laughs> but, but even at film festivals, <laughs> right. It's fine to be beaten by your peers, but you don't see the independent who hasn't gotten distribution the independent who hasn't gotten or hasn't been produced by one of, you know, some notable uh, production company. Those are the folks that you don't want to be beaten by. Right. And you yeah. feel a little bit, you know, kind of aggrieved if you were. So it's like, no, let's, yeah, you bring three or four of us in, let us compete. Right. Cause we'll probably compete again at another festival and a different one will win. That's fine. But yeah, let us compete amongst ourselves at your festival and then we'll continue to come back because, again, we're, we're we're getting the awards where we want them. 
Yeah, I'd love to talk to some of our friends at festivals and partners we have at festivals to find out if if the money goes out or in. Like, like, do you as a program director and executive director, do you have to reach out to a studio to see if they will screen their film at your festival and you pay them a fee of some mm-hmm. sort? Or do they call you and they pay you a fee to ensure that they win and that they get special screening. So (laughs) I wonder, I wonder, I wonder how, how it works or is it, are we being cynical and and none of that happens. And you know, they just like enter their film through film freeway, like everybody else (laughs) (laughs) and and hope that, and hope that they were accepted. Like, Oh, yeah. I hope I get it. Yeah. yeah. Like the, like the big film here at Nashville film festival is Spencer. I wonder, I wonder if the producers submitted submitted Spencer to film freeway and just hope they made it like, Oh gosh, I I feel, yeah, it's, it's, it reminds me of what Michael McRae said, uh, who's a great uh, whistleblower. And filmmaker does the whistleblower film summit. He said, I'm going to butcher the quote that he said, but he said, every, every, every idea starts as a cause or every passion starts as a cause, turns into a business and becomes a racket. Uh, And some of these festivals have been around so long. I wonder how many of them are at like racket level level. at this point as a, as a nonprofit. And that was a quote from a guy who has seen, incredible corruption within nonprofits. So again, not accusing, uh, not truly intimating anything here, just saying that for the indie filmmaker, uh, do not get down on yourself. Understand right. that a part of this game is a little bit rigged for the benefit of being able of, to do a festival again next year. There you go. Exactly. And just enjoy your festival run. If you got some, if you submitted and were accepted, that's, that's huge on its own. Um, Addison Ray. She got a Netflix deal. Yeah. 83 million followers on TikTok, 84 million, something like that. 40 million on Instagram, 5 million on Twitter. And I remember back in 2015 hearing some actors that we were close to lament about casting directors asking about their social followings. Yep. Just six years ago. And at the time, it it seemed kind of balderdash. It seemed a little bit, it it felt like they were pariahs a little bit, like not the actors, but the casting directors, like in in the films that were looking for following. And now it feels a little different where like I empathize, like it's something Chris Green, who we've interviewed, friend of the podcast two times, it's been a two-time guest where he talks about um, he was on Queen of the South and uh, in our film Adult Interference, but he talks about like how frustrating it is to know that you killed it in the audition, and then the part was given to someone else who didn't do as well as you, like sort of didn't earn it on merit, but mm-hmm. earned it uh, through their cell phone, and it makes me wonder if those actors back in 2015 that I had spoken to about this, that were lamenting that to me should have just gotten busy with building a following and just given in to the new, to the new ways, you know, well, you double down, right? It's like, if that's the new way and you're better, then you'll have both. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, like why not? 
yes, it's not, it's not easy. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, it's like, I, you see those things like, you know, my kids will watch, you know, YouTube and there's these families on YouTube and there's like a video every day, you know, and I'm not that guy. I'm not going to have a camera in my house, right. In my bathroom, in my bedroom in every room. Like every time you walk out of the house, you go to the grocery store, you take your camera, like it's intrusive. It's just way too much. But if you want that following, that's what you do, right. You produce content you keep making content so it's not an easy thing and if it's a kind of against kind of your upbringing it is it's huge so i mean it's 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 no joke it's not like hey i need the following so you just go do it you might have to change the nature of who you are yeah right to make that happen so it's 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 not a small ask but if you know that that like that's your business and that's where you want to compete then it's like well you might have to do that, right? You might have to make that sacrifice. You might yeah. have to figure that out and maybe how it works within your life, but that's the way to go. Yeah. And I think there's this sense that, uh, Addison Ray got there on her own and she just had so much help along the way. And I think that's the part that makes people feel depressed about building their following and getting passed up is they just don't know it's happening sort of behind the curtains. Like they don't know that Addison Ray lived in the TikTok house and that the algorithms are pushing her right. to every new subscriber that comes and, and jumps on TikTok, which is now overtaking YouTube as uh, the most viewed platform. So more odds are on TikTok than on YouTube or any other platform for that matter. So it's really, it starts off again in a very Sun Tzu kind of way. It is not a fair fight. Uh, so if you're out there as an independent actor and you're trying to increase your following, increase your success rate in, the, in, in auditions and make a name for yourself, you just cannot even uh, conflate yourself with Addison Ray because she just simply, uh, honestly, basically won the lotto by being picked as one of the 19 people who were going to to be in that TikTok house. And it reminds me so much of like the misconceptions and presumptions that we have or how we misunderstand how media pushes content and an idea out to us. So yeah, or just let's take it from this perspective. How old is she? I think she's uh got to be in her early 20s now, mid 20s. Right. So, so early 20s yeah. and then when she start probably in her early to late teens. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, she used to be folks, a, I think she used to be a dancer or cheerleader at at Louisiana. Right. LSU. But a lot of these but remember she's competing potentially against folks who when you just talk about like the greater community of filmmakers or actors, right? Mm. You're, you're competing against people who got kids. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I'm saying? Competing against people who didn't grow up with a cell phone in their hands. Yeah. Right? So, like, there's other responsibilities that people have that they can't necessarily just carve out all this time to just make endless content, right? Yeah. They got Maybe they have a day job to fund the family, right, and while they're doing the other things. There's other responsibilities where... You know, you're competing with the kids. The kids live at home. They got no responsibilities other than to make content. You know, what I'm saying? Yeah, they're but, being bankrolled. But you, but you talk, <laughs> but you talk to you talk to teenagers and you talk to twenty year olds that are in, in in entertainment or want to create content, and you can tell by their responses that they don't realize she got a helping hand from the algorithm. Oh, for sure, because that's not you're not supposed to. Because their comments right. back to me are like. 
oh, she's, I don't know why people are into her. I don't like, it's all these things where they don't understand. Like, it's like, right, right, right. like, no, you don't right. have to be into her. Like, you're, exactly. you're, no, you're right. Like, she's like everybody else that dances or maybe even worse. But she was the dancer that was chosen like Mufasa picking up Simba and this guy <laughs> Simba, like, right. you know, like, like that's, that's why she was remember. Simba got his butt kicked by Nala. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 he yeah, wasn't yeah. the strongest, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's that's kind of that's kind of what what's going on. But you can tell by the responses, like the stories are hitting them in this personal place. And my message would be like, don't worry about. Like, it's not that your content is worse because there are people out there that are doing like we've brought her up before, Elizabeth Donaldson. Yep. She puts out something every single day, but she's not, she's not Neo. Right. She wasn't the yeah. one that was chosen by a social media platform, put in a house that's empty. That's simply designed for you to create content over and over and over again. And, and therefore mass this massive following. And then the whole idea is to take that person and spin them into every type of media possible. So of course, movies is just a type of media of, and, and she already released a song in March so they dip yeah. their toe in music. So it's not that she's like, like the people we work with and advocate for, they're actors. This is, you know, Addison Ray's going to be a entertainer. Right. Well, and so like she'll have a book. Say, yep. She'll and have, we've yep. always said it. It's like IP, right? Yeah. That's what we've always. She's always, IP. Exactly. Like, that's it. Like, it's a following. That's what they're buying. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, because it almost doesn't matter. She's going to do her. Right. Yeah. She may not be the best actor, but she'll be the best Addison Ray. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's what you're buying. Like, that's mm-hmm. the idea. So it's like, don't don't be upset, actor, you know, filmmaker, kind of indie. It's like, don't be upset about that because they're not buying an actor. They're buying Addison Ray. They're buying a following. Right. So it's like Miranda Sings. Mm-hmm. Right. She's got, I don't know, at least two, maybe three Netflix films. Yeah. You know, same kind of deal. Yeah. You know, they're buying the audience because the audience will translate, right? They'll yeah. go from TikTok to YouTube to Netflix. They will follow her where she goes, right? And I'll say, yeah, Miranda sings, you know, if you, you know, just YouTube it, you find a couple of her videos. It's ridiculous and it's funny. I can't do that. I can't do a lot of that. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. I'm not going to go keep going and keep watching it. But for the folks who do, they'll be everywhere she is. So that's what the Addison yeah. Ray deal is. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, it's kind of, it's kind of astonishing <laughs> when I think about it, just hearing what you said, when someone really did it organically, I I'm blown away. Like when you, when you see a YouTuber that has over a million subscribers and you know that they didn't get a push from Google or alphabet or whatever. And they just did it over a decade. Blow, my mind's blown. Yeah. Like, but, uh, like for me, like, or, or if you see somebody yeah. that, that, that didn't already have a platform, but has more than a, a million followers on Instagram and didn't have to like uh, be in a bathing suit, nothing against that. But right. let's say they didn't leverage that. That just. Yeah. Consistency, man. Sometimes, like I said, but it's, it's a level of consistency that I think is beyond, I won't say it's beyond, um, 
but it can feel as though it's beyond certain generations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So like I told you, like some of the stuff that my, my kids will watch, you know, these families, right. The whole family is on YouTube yeah. every single day. Yeah. Right. Like we think about making content. Oh, let's make a video this week or this month and put it out there. It'll be cute. And maybe it'll go viral. No, no, no. 365 days a year they're making no less than one piece of content. Yeah. Okay. So at some point, you basically, that's your level, you're hedging your bets. 365, one out of 365. Maybe it's not 365. Maybe it's actually times five years, right? right. Because they're dedicated. Mm-hmm. So five years, 365 pieces of content, and then one piece goes viral. Right. 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 But that's what they're, but they're, but because they're, they may, it part of who they are like making the videos isn't like something that they're doing like it's a job no they're literally embedding they walk the camera. in cameras on exactly they're embedding yeah. the camera into their lives and i think this is something that is just even though they're behind the they're well in the behind the camera in front of the camera this isn't something that's that actors are used to they're used to the camera for a purpose yeah right it's for a part it's yeah. for a character that they're supposed to play Whereas in this huge social media content, these characters are these people. Yeah. Right. They're not necessarily, some of them are playing a character. Blippy is a flipping character. <laughs> right. But like a lot of these people are just, they're just, it's just their family and they're finding cool ways to express themselves. So it, it's not unnatural to them. Whereas I feel as like in the filmmaking world, right. Cause what we've been talking about is content making, right? In the filmmaking world, no, it's not the same thing. It's 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 a bigger for, chasm for, for now because I think I think yeah. when we get into the fifth wave of filmmaking, yeah. and you know, we talk about the waves where the first wave was just simply the invention of of silent films, talking about like Charlie Chaplin, and then going into the second wave where theaters started having great ownership over 50% ownership over sort of the profit center around movies. And that lasted for 60 years more or more. And then you went into home video for that third yeah. wave. And now for the first time ever, people could be watching uh, movies at home. And now you have the center of the fourth wave here in streaming. That fifth wave is this idea where making content, even films, even short films, mm-hmm. even music is going to be part of the gig economy, essentially. It's just part of who you are. Where you'll have this whole on. vertical of apps <laughs> that you utilize to basically brand yourself, push your content out, do bookings, like like the players in that space, like Square, uh, Squarespace and Wix and uh, uh, Unfold and, and uh, the social media that, that's in there. Yeah. Um, these scheduling applications you can use to sort of book and and get payment all in one place. A Square, I said Squarespace, but there's also Square that does Square. that, which yeah. is a, a great company as well. Um, so that's what it's really going to be. So maybe the answer still is what you said earlier. Uh, if, if you want to do that, maybe, you know, double down now and figure out a way to integrate that into your life. Or maybe you do something else, but you understand that you're not doing that other thing. And you can't do that other thing. You don't want to make that sacrifice. You're not doing that other thing. So you're going to take some L's on certain types of projects that require 
it's it's almost like if the movie's great, you want the talent. And if the movie's designed to be a profit center for a bunch of people and investors, give me Addison Rain. Throw her ass in the movie. Yeah. yeah but the, question, <laughs> the, the question is, though, like, okay, so if you look at films now and it's it bothers me, maybe it shouldn't. Mm-hmm. But you watch all these films that are out now. Like, okay, we're talking about movies now, right? Not just mm-hmm. content. We're talking about movies. Yeah. It's the same actors. Yeah. It's yeah. the same ones mm-hmm. all the time. Like they're just recycling people, right? I'm like, really? And it's funny because recycling you know, IP, recycling actors. Yeah, and it gets on my nerves too. And I'll just it's kind of my little pet peeve. It's like, how can you be in the Marvel universe and the DC universe? Exactly. Doesn't work, man. You can't be in both places. Like that, no, you mess with my brain. Like you're messing with the whole thing. The universes are different. That's the whole point. Anyway, yeah. so they're recycling the same people over and over again. So I kind of wonder. Are they building enough of a backlog or let's call it, you know, in, in some places you call it strategic workforce planning, yeah. right? You know, at some point your, you know, your elder statesmen and stateswomen, right, are yeah. going to retire. Yeah. So you make sure that you're onboarding the next generation that's coming in. I don't know. Are we actually building a second generation or third generation? Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, I know you're gonna say that, but like, that's it. <laughs> like, all, no, uh, all no. of the film industry rests on your shoulders, right? It's like it rests on you, who, Timothy. Who's replacing Brad Pitt? Oh, there. I mean, there, you know there, there, like, there are some kids, but but they're not having the the breakout sort of performances in films because the studios won't make them. Right. So, so, you, <laughs> so what's you're either playing You're either playing Spider Man or or you're not playing anyone that everybody's going to see so you so yeah it, it's a little bit more difficult look every time samuel l jackson and morgan freeman step off set they put them in a a cryogenic chamber like they, they gotta keep exactly. like we gotta keep, you, gotta keep we gotta keep you two dudes alive because exactly. who else is going to be the snappy black dude in a movie like right that's e. what i'm saying like what's going to happen so for me it's annoying because it's just the same people you know and i guess again for me, it's probably annoying because of what we do. Like, we are all about the independent filmmakers. I'm like, give somebody else a chance, man. Like, why is it going to be the same people every time I turn around? You know, it's like every universe is just recycling the same people. So, I'm, but I'm wondering. Yeah, well, you know why, but. I know, but what I'm saying is. Too once risky. They, Too risky. Once, I know, but once they go away. So, let's say we're moving into the fifth wave, right? Mm-hmm. What if that is the natural progression of things that that goes away. Like those people that we recognize and we know and we love, it just goes away. And now you're dealing with content creators who get kind of bolstered by the industry to be the face of things. So it becomes, it gets to the point where it's like, if you're an actor, you have to be a con. You've gotten, basically the key to the kingdom is following. Hundred yeah. percent, like that's it. So we got maybe, let's say we're fifty percent stars who mm-hmm. run everything, fifty percent content, and maybe the next five years it's twenty five percent stars because a lot of people have retired, passed on, or whatever, and it's seventy five percent content creators. Yeah, and then it continues to happen that way. Whereas now it's like, you know, it's like Lee Abrams was saying about the the mass stuff. Like this stuff is just dumb. Yeah, you know, like maybe maybe that's where it goes. It's like you know what? There's more money in dumb. There's more money in just 
whatever we can get from the biggest content creator, because those content creators aren't filmmakers. Like they don't understand everything that the actors do and how to play, but they're making content that people like. And And I wonder, and I hope- they're figuring yeah, it and out. I hope they, it doesn't do shift too much. Are awesome. I mean, it's just yeah, but but make films though, right? It's different from yeah. making like making content that people yeah. will just plug into as like, like being Lee a Abrams user. Said, make programming exactly versus and and have followers, not users, but like maybe that's part of it. It's like our fans, are, are we, not users. Yeah, yeah. Are, are we swinging into more? I hate to call it nonsense. Like I don't want to knock anybody's content. Well, right? again, but again, less, not to overquote Lee, but he's like elite never gets off the ground and dumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So that's what I'm wondering. Like, is that where we're going? Like, are we going more towards that, or will we always be able to keep a balance? And I think that if we were to say anything, because one you know, again, the goal of this conversation that we have, or all these, is about how do we help the independent filmmaker? And maybe it's just like, look. You need to dip your toe. Forget dipping your toe. You need to put a leg in that water. Like you need to be like, okay, I may not have a camera on me all the time, but I need to do more of that. Carve out a part of your life that is on camera more often than you are now. Right? Mm -hmm. So if you're an actor, act more. Come up with your own characters. Like, don't wait for someone else. That's the idea, right? Don't wait for someone else to bring you a character. Create your own, right? Yeah, I, saw, short I saw Jasmine Kenya this week let out a character that had been in her mind for a long time. She drew a whole strip. It had animation and everything. And she just dropped it. She just right. dropped it on Instagram. Like, like Exactly. Where's your, where's your character? Character's like in your head all the time. Like, yeah, now I have a, now this character exists. This is like yeah. an interesting comic book character. Right. And that's that the you thing can, you like, can do build, build on forever. Yep. But, but the thing that, the thing that has changed is that, is that, that wouldn't be acceptable to a certain generation is this whole idea of TLDR too long. Didn't read too long. Didn't read. <laughs> and we just have to admit that's kind of where we are as, as a society a little bit that, that after a long day at work, we've had to intellectualize along the way we just want to see a cat fall off of something, <laughs> right? Like we don't want to be sent the, the yeah. published article that's in scientific American. We're just going to go TLDR too long. Yeah. And then what happens is, is the, the whole of society actually degradates and gets dumber. The attention gets worse. And you like are like just searching. Like, I don't think that chocolate rain could come out today and be successful because it's too long. It's five minutes long. Chocolate, is, rain, chocolate rain came out today, it'd be is. one minute. Yeah. And and that would be it. By the time he said chocolate rain the 30th time on minute three, people would be like, okay, we, we got it. We figured it out. Right, right. Yeah. 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 But, but you know, he, we would have done one minute. TLDW. Too long, didn't he, watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he would have done one minute, and then it would have been the duets. Yeah, after yeah. that, you know, so like yeah, people yeah. have been duetting with chocolate rain all over the place. Yeah, that's 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 what it is. So yeah, well, yeah. I guess before we run out of time, we should hit up this this IATSE strike that seems imminent. We are seeing photographs come through on social media all over the place of protests in New York and other places. They want better pay, Nick. They want rest. They want friends and family. They want to see them. And I say, absolutely. Why not? 
And, but I, but I couldn't help but notice two things that, that I thought were interesting, if not uh, ironic. The first is that uh, I started clicking on the profiles of the people that were like saying, Hey, that's my sign. And Hey, I was there. And they're all in film school or just regular college. Like they're actually not working yet. They're still in school. And that's not to say you can't work on a set because you're in school. But my point is you're unlikely to be working on set and have been officially in an officially and, and been, and been, uh, and been oppressed in this way uh, right. already to the point where you just can't take it anymore and you're not going to stand for it. Not that you shouldn't join in, but as a guy who has a background in this and, and understand social movements, uh, you, you just have to know you can smell when there's an organizer behind it who has sent out an email, uh, posted uh, QR codes on telephone poles where you can figure out who's protesting and why and who the group is. And you can be and part of something. where they're going to be today. And where they're going to be today. <laughs> uh, you can just smell when uh, someone has sent a, uh, a press release to the media and let them know exactly where the protest will be to bring their cameras and to show up. And so uh, not because I think there is a real and we have a lot of friends who are saying, hey, this is a real problem. So yeah. we think that's true. But there is a bit of it that seems to be manufactured so that the protest can get as many eyes on it as possible. Uh, the irony, of course, of all this is, you know, why isn't there better pay and more arrest? Why are the crew the bag holders for major productions? And then you find out, well, it's because the other unions are more powerful than yours. And so, there are other unions. Yeah. Right. Like Directors Guild of America, yeah. stronger than the IATSC. Producers Guild of America, Producers Guild. stronger than the IATSC. SAG-AFTRA, stronger. Writers Guild of America West, stronger. And it just goes on and on. So... They're able to secure the bag, as the kids say, for their actors and their union members and their top writers. And there's no money left in the budget to, to spread around the crew. And the fact of the matter is, is the crew, for that reason, is at the bottom of the pay barrel uh, within, an, within a film company, LLC. And how do we change that? And it, uh, you could easily change it. You could change it tomorrow if, if production companies and studios weren't locked into other union contracts. Yeah, and well, that's, it's a good observation, right? And it's true. You know, you also wonder, well, what if the budgets of these films went up to accommodate IATSE, right? IA and their their requirements. Yep. But if those but if those budgets went up, then of course, what's the trickle down effect on the other unions? Less movies <laughs> are getting made. Yeah, and that so there's there's a lot of less investment money play. for indies. Yeah, because my guess play. is that indie crews aren't being oppressed this way across the board because indie directors are small. Uh, indie crews are so small. And they're all friends and they all have, they're all moving in the same direction. They're rowing a smaller boat, but they're able to go fast because they're all rowing together. So 
Yeah. And we, we talked about that too, where it's like, there's a lot of, you know, cause we, in our community, right. In the film community, we've seen a lot of people showing their support, you know, for the union. And, you know, again, it's kind of the same thing where we wonder, it's like, there's a lot of support, mm-hmm. but you're kind of on the outside, right. As some of the Indies are like, you're not involved in that world. Yeah. Right. You don't have those same pressures. You don't have those same constraints because you operate in a different place. Right. And I think they're, the support there is kind of like we talked about before. It's like the indies in this world kind of see themselves one day being in those roles. Right. 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 So it's in their They're best interest. a future to, version of themselves. Of themselves. Like when, I, when I get there, my pay is going to be right. I'm going to be yeah. well rested. I'm going to see my friends and family. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so support them now so that when you get there, you can say, Hey, I had your back, right? I was exactly. at that rally. I was at that protest. I had you check my socials. Yeah. Right. Those are yeah. my receipts, bro. Like, yeah, yeah, check the socials. I had you. So yeah, I think that's what it is. So even though if they don't have that, that impact doesn't hit them today, they're envisioning their tomorrow. So it's, yeah, it's an interesting it, thing. Yeah, it's a classic sort of argument, which is like, hey, uh, this is unfair because that person has a lot of money, so therefore they get a better lawyer and a better defense and a better chance to be innocent, whereas I don't, and I have to use the public defender who is in cahoots with the prosecutor. And you hear that on paper and you're like, damn, that's that's messed up, like... Like, how can we fix it? But then you realize the only way to fix it is to remove the value of money, which you don't want to do. (laughs) As long as somebody has money, they're going to be able to leverage it to the extent of how much they have. Right. To use their full. To the extent that the power will afford them. Will afford them. It's like like asking some girl or, or man to be less charming. Because as long as they're that charming, no one will date you. Right. <laughs> it's like, this wasn't Seinfeld episode where, where, where George was asking Jerry to be less funny. Right. Yeah. And he's like, you're being too funny around the girl that I like. So yeah, you have I to like. be less funny. Yeah. She likes funny people. You're being too funny. And so yeah. he pretended to be dark and somber. And then that ended up turning her on on accident. Yeah. So exactly. the whole thing blew up in his face. So anyway, <laughs> just a thought. I, I suppose... As we wrap up this indie talk, we should mention something we're very, very proud of. And yep. we we don't pat ourselves on the back on this podcast, but uh, I I can't hold it in. I'm personally a little excited, a lot excited about it, actually. Um, this started off, as I've mentioned many times before, as this passion project where we were sticking a, a, a handheld microphone not even a mic it was it was a, like a tape recorder like a journalist tape yep. recorder with a little micro tape in it cassette in it and just asking people what does it mean to you to make it and then recording their responses and like you know putting it on a drive in wma format and like this is crazy <laughs> stuff and that grew into this podcast and we have now uh tuesday i think this this mm-hmm. not not t- today, Tuesday, or when this drops Tuesday, but the following Tuesday, which I believe will be what, October 5th, that will be our 100th interview. Interview, yeah. We have a special guest for that interview as well. So we're super excited about it. But Nick, I mean, 
obviously we've done a lot of content like yep. lot, all these indie talks and the film investment series, industry insights, mistakes in the making, blog posts, et cetera. But uh, we have hit this milestone of having a hundred creatives on here. These brilliant people who do these brilliant things and, and make everyone's lives they touch better. And we've yep. had the opportunity to sit down with them, go deep and wide with them and they've they've been cool enough to spend their time with uh, with us and in the Make It podcast. So Nick, if we can pat ourselves on the back, just oh yeah, once. man, going to give that one right there. And a hundred say that like down. it's it's a hundred, and I want to let people know right that we haven't done a hundred interviews, right? Because we don't do interviews. Mm. Right. We've had a hundred conversations preach with folks in the filmmaking industry. Like that's, that's, what's awesome about this and what differentiates us. Right. Cause I'm gonna go ahead, man. You, you said we're going to pat ourselves on the back. Like I'm gonna go ahead and do it. I'm gonna jump on that bandwagon right there. Right. Like we don't just talk about the latest film, right. Which is what a lot, you know, I'm not going to knock, other podcasts, right? Because there's value in understanding the latest project, right? Because people want to see content, right? Mm-hmm. So they want to know about that latest film that you did. But that's not us, right? And how many stars do, and how many thumbs up or down you give it? Exactly. Like we're not, we're about that life to a degree. Like we want to know about the, the latest projects and we watch these films. And when there's a film that hits us, like we'll celebrate it, we'll talk about it. But what's greater is the filmmakers behind that content, right? That's what we explore. And that's the coolest thing about what we've been doing that I'm super excited about, you know, hitting this milestone is that we've learned so much about the people behind this industry. And there's so many different stories, like the backstories, you know, the childhood, you know, the, you know, how they were impacted by their parents or their communities and, you know, what they've learned about themselves throughout the process. Like that's, that's really why I think it's important for people to to listen to those guest conversations. It's just, there's so much to kind of unpack and even, you know, learn about yourself in the process. I think we've gotten better as filmmakers, yep. as podcast hosts, as people just from listening to these or having these conversations. So it's, it's pretty awesome. I'm super excited about it. Yeah. And just to hear how, these folks have persevered because the main yep. thing about being an indie film is that it is a, it is, it is a long game. You're playing the long game. Keep going. Don't stop. You're going to get where you want to get and you'll leave a legacy behind of just wonderful art that will be found eventually if it's not found, you know, immediately. And we see That's cases right. of that all the time. Uh, like Sarah Driver, for example, like people catching up and understanding her films uh, of late and things like that. And people celebrating uh, Mar- uh, Marvin Van Peebles after he died. Oh, yeah. Like going for back sure. and realizing, oh, he was a civil rights activist. Oh, he was. Yep. He made these films. So so it's, it's, a, it's a long game. Keep playing. And we want to be part of the team. And uh, we thank everybody for letting us be part of the team and uh, interview all these folks. We got a hundred interviews in the bank. Conversations. Uh, conversations, should say yep. conversations in the bank. <laughs> Deep dive, wide ranging topics, uh, 
October 5th. That'll be 100. And guess what? We got several more already in the can waiting for you. And we are excited about the next 100. So with that, uh, we can wrap this up. And I'll start off with my big uh, uh, speech. We'll wrap this with my big speech. Every week I give this giant speech and I keep thinking to myself, why do I give this speech if at the end of this we do a post roll that says all the same stuff twice yeah, in a row? Yeah, yeah. And maybe this is the week where I say, you know what? Maybe I don't need to say everything. I think there's power in saying it during the cast. So look, I'll, I'll shorten it this week and then yeah, you guys can use the blank. post roll to, to get all of it. But Main thing is, if you want to reach out to me or to Nick, it's really easy. Contact at bonsai.film, underscore Bonsai Creative on Twitter and Instagram, Bonsai Creative on Facebook, Nick individually at Nick at bonsai.film, and me individually at Flame in Your Heart on Twitter, or you can just search for Christopher Barkley at this point, and I will come right up on Twitter. So with that, Nick, please do give us the credo. Yes, sir. I love that little, little shortened speech, you know, is just on point to the point. So folks out there in the podcast world and, and any other world that you might be accessing this wonderful content, be better, be creative, be engaged. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to rate five stars on Apple Podcasts. Thank you. Boom. Peace. Yeah, you got it, bro. <laughs> Talk to you soon. Yeah, yeah. Take it easy, folks. Bye. You've been listening to the Make It Podcast. To find out more information about this week's topics, including links to relevant blog posts, projects, and indie creatives, please visit our website at www.bonsai.film. If you haven't already, you can join our podcast community on Apple Podcasts or the podcast app of your choice by searching for Make It Bonsai Creative and the show will pop right up. You now have the opportunity to support the production of this podcast. If you love Make It and are a true fan of what we're trying to accomplish in the indie film community, please visit www.bonsai.film and click Contribute. Contributions start at only $5 monthly. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Bonsai Creative and on Facebook by searching for Bonsai Creative. You can provide feedback to us via email at contact at bonsai.film and you can follow me, Chris, on Twitter at Flaming Your Heart. That's F-L-A-M-E-I-N-U-R-H-E-A-R-T. And of course, if you're looking to take a big step towards your filmmaking success, Go to www.bonsai.film and click on services to explore a variety of offerings from keynotes and panels to pitch readiness assessments and so much more. You have everything to gain. Until next time, be better, be creative, be engaged, and thank you for listening.